Hello, and welcome to the Totally Buggin' Podcast, the podcast about all things creepy crawly. We are your host organisms, Cami and Faith. Today, we're going to be talking about a current event in the entomology world. Recently, there was a very big development with the first ever honeybee vaccine. I'm just going to read the headline from the New York Times on January 7th. It says, USDA approves first vaccine for honeybees. Off the bat, that Mm -hmm. just sounds so cool. I know. Like, uh, vaccines, but for honeybees. Mm -hmm. I remember when you first told me this, I was like, vaccine against honeybees? Like, Like for people with allergies? Yeah, something like that. Which, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's possible currently. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But... Yeah, there. so there's been a lot of reactions to this news and generally a lot of confusion and misconceptions. To kind of get a feel for the general public reaction to this, I, of course, consulted TikTok, and I found a lot of misinformation there. <laughs> the probably ma- most major um, source of news, TikTok, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to play audio from any of the TikToks because for the people who I think are genuinely confused, I don't want to make fun of them. And I also don't want to send people to the ones who I think are being disingenuous and spreading misinformation intentionally. So I just have kind of a summary of the reactions that I was seeing. I saw one guy freaking out because he can't believe the government would care enough about bees to take on the expense of creating a vaccine unless it was for nefarious purposes. Okay, that's just, like, so wrong. Like, bees are such an important, like, creature in, Mm -hmm. like, agriculture and crop development. Mm -hmm. So, like, the government's gonna care. Yeah. At least a little bit. They might not care for, like, ecological reasons, but they definitely care about the effect on the economy. Yeah, for sure. The same guy was also concerned that they're giving it to bees by, quote, sneaking it into their food. And if they can do it to bees, they can do it to us. So that's just, like, total anti-vax rhetoric. I think it's disingenuous. And also, it's kind of getting upset about something that already exists. Uh, We've had oral vaccines for human diseases like polio and typhoid since at least the 50s. Yeah, and, like, I'm sorry, just the idea of, like, oh, we're sneaking vaccines into food. That's just, that just sounds so ridiculous. No, it's... Yeah, I don't think that's reasonable. And this might be an urban legend. I'm pretty sure the song from Mary Poppins, The Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down, I think that's about, like, the polio vaccine, like, oral vaccines. Because a lot of times they would... I think you might be right. I feel like I heard that. Like, they, like... We can fact check this. Yeah, like, you take it, and then, like, the nurse or whoever gives you, like, sugar afterwards Mm -hmm. because it tastes bad. Mm -hmm. But they wanted everyone to get the polio vaccine. Yeah. For obvious reasons. And now polio is a good candidate for eventual eradication. Oh, yeah. So oral vaccines for humans have been a thing for a long time and nobody has snuck them into anybody's food. Yeah. There was another guy that I saw who was kind of a, I think he was a radio host and he was just totally incredulous. Yeah. Uh, And he was like, how are they going to get the vaccine to honeybees? And what if they don't want it? Really tiny needles. Oh, I saw a lot of people who were asking about teeny tiny needles. Oh, 
Yeah, and then this guy said, oh my god, this vaccine thing has gone too far. And then I was giving him the side eye. I was gonna say, rolls eyes. Yep, there's there was a lot of anti-vax rhetoric that was bleeding into the reactions to the news about the honeybee vaccine. Yeah. There were a lot of people who were misinformed, but did seem genuinely concerned mm-hmm. that this was going to contribute to bee population decline. Okay, I could see why they would be concerned about that. Yeah, I think I think they were concerned that the vaccine was going to harm the bees in some oh, way. Like it's not it's not for their benefit. Or that like, like there wasn't enough evidence that it was safe for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I could see being concerned about that. Yeah, I think most of the people who were talking about this were uh confused and misinformed, okay. but yeah. not having bad intentions like a lot of the anti-vaxxers who were spreading misinformation about the vaccine. Yeah. Having genuine concerns is different than Mm -hmm. because like either because you don't know or you're misinformed. That's a big, that's very different from purposefully spreading misinformation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also saw a lot of people who were like our age who were Mm -hmm. just who read the headline, didn't read the whole article, and just oh, imagined no. the tiny needles, like you, <laughs> men- like you mentioned. And I've also seen some that are funny that are just beekeepers poking fun at the people who are totally misunderstanding the situation. Say, I feel like most people who made, like, the tiny needles comment were just trying to be funny. I think a like, lot of them were joking. Yeah. 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 Um, and I did see some beekeepers who were kind of exaggerating the reactions that they were seeing, and so- <laughs> some of those were pretty funny. Yeah. So I'm hoping I can explain this really cool innovation, and we do welcome listeners who may have heard some of the misinformation and have concerns, and I hope I'll be able to help you understand the situation based on scientific evidence and not fear. But of course, as always, if you find yourself skeptical of anything that I'm saying, we'll have a list of my sources ranging from scientific journals to beekeeping blogs in the sources tab of our website. Yeah, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. very important nowadays to say where you get your sources from. So mm-hmm. um, for any of our future episodes, we will be listing our sources. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm not an expert. I am just a student with mm-hmm. a strong interest in these sorts of topics. So it's possible that I might get a little bit mixed up or get things wrong. Yeah. Uh, if you notice that I did something wrong. Tell us. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that, let's get into it. Basically, I'm going to start by kind of talking about honeybees in their broader context with humans. Absolutely. So honeybees are not technically domesticated, but they are managed by humans. Mm -hmm. There's archaeological evidence from cave paintings that suggests that humans have harvested honey for between seven to 9,000 years. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So like it's not a, I say recent, as Mm -hmm. in like the last few hundred years. Nope. This has been going on for like. I said decades, thousands of years. Uh Okay. Yeah, I think having artificial hives is a more recent innovation. I I don't I don't know exactly how long we've had that. Yeah. But we have been uh, harvesting honey for Mm -hmm. thousands of years. Honeybees aren't technically domesticated because they can come and go as they please, but Mm -hmm. they are managed by humans. They have a really really large economic impact. Honey production is a massive industry. I'm going to be focusing on honey production when I'm talking about the economic impact of honeybees, but there's a lot of bee-related products. There's beeswax products uh, such as candles, chapsticks, 
Um, you can walk into pretty much any store and at, find at least a few bee products mm-hmm. like, just on the shelf. Yeah, so there's a lot of money riding on the health of honeybees. Yeah. Um, in 2021, honey production totaled 126 million pounds in the U.S. Uh, that's pounds as in weight, not in money. It grossed about 310 million in 2020 in the U.S., so millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the average annual production worldwide over the past 20 years has been 1.77 million tons each year of honey. I can't even imagine how much honey that it's is. It's a lot. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> a lot of hives, a lot of bees. Yeah. The yield that we've been having for honey production has kind of slowly declined over the past few years mm-hmm. uh, due to numerous factors. But it's still a major industry. Yeah. Managed honeybees are also transported across the U.S. to pollinate agricultural crops. Combined with the efforts of native bees providing anywhere from $235 billion to $577 billion worth of food production. Yeah. I think that's really cool that, like, if you need more bees somewhere, like, they're on it. They're going to take more mm-hmm. bees there to do more pollinating. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. In response to one of the TikToks that I saw where the guy was concerned that uh, the government wouldn't care about bees, the government does have a strong interest in keeping managed honeybees healthy. Even just economically, like if you want to, yeah, the government's only in it for the money. Right. There's still still so much money coming in from this industry that Mm -hmm. it's a that's a big enough factor alone right. for them to be concerned about the health of honeybees. Mm-hmm. And because they play into other industries, uh, like our food production, mm-hmm. they are very important to our food supply and to multiple industries. Yeah, so sure. it's important for them to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, however, when we're managing honeybees, that comes with some health risks. Yeah. Modern honeybee farms have hundreds of hives built on artificial frames. These are usually wooden or plastic, and then the honeybees will build on top of those. Yeah, they look Mm -hmm. like, um, like, you know, big file cabinets, like you take a file out of it. They kind of look like that. Mm -hmm. So there are hundreds of hives with these frames spread out in a large field. So you're going to get similar risks to the risks of humans living in big cities. um, because. really? Yeah, because there's close quarters and poor sanitation when you have a bunch of anything living close together. So you could think of it as, like, huge apartment buildings. Yeah. And hundreds and hundreds of, like, even though they're bees. Like, you could think of it as hundreds and hundreds of people living in Mm -hmm. the same apartment building all squished into one city block. Right. Or sometimes in the dorms when Mm -hmm. one person gets gets sick, sick, the whole floor ends up getting sick. For sure. That's a major issue. Yeah. So it also results in lower genetic variation and a higher risk of disease. Yeah. If there's no genetic diversity, Mm -hmm. you're going to be getting... um, Weaker immunity. Yep. And the same, like, effect, like, a disease would wipe out an entire population Mm -hmm. as opposed to only affecting a certain proportion of it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So... That's the context that I wanted to give for the relationship between humans and honeybees. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move on to the disease that this vaccine is targeting, Mm -hmm. which is called American Foulbrood. 
Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this, Faith? No, I haven't. Okay. So it's it's a pretty big deal. Okay. It's a bacterial disease caused by a gram-positive spore-forming bacteria called Panabacillus larvae. Yeah, okay. Um, it is not curable. The only way to stop the disease from spreading is to euthanize infected colonies. So you're potentially talking about hundreds and hundreds of bees that have to be put down if they get infected with this because there's nothing they can do. And it's not just the bees. You have to destroy any contaminated equipment, which can be very, very expensive for smaller beekeeping operations. Yeah. And do you know how you have to destroy the hives? Um. I wouldn't know how, but probably, like, burn it completely. Yeah, you have to burn the hive and any contaminated materials so that can mean that you lose a lot of your tools. Yeah. And then you have to bury them. Like, in the ground, bury it. Yeah, that's the standard practice for euthanizing American foul brood infected hives. So this is a big deal, basically. Oh, yeah. Because not only do you have to get rid of all the infected bees, you have to get rid of all their equipment, like, it's unusable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you can sanitize it and then use it again. Right, and that's because the bacteria that causes American foul brood is really hardy. The spores can live for up to 50 years and are tolerant of extreme cold temperatures. Oh, wow. So okay. you can't cold sterilize it. Yeah, no. You have to, you have to burn sterilize it. sterilize mm-hmm. A little bit more context that I have to give to explain mm-hmm. the way that the disease works is I just have to give a quick overview of the rigidly defined social structure that honeybees have. Yeah. So you've got a couple of different groups. So there's the drones. These are the male bees. They basically exist to mate and die. Mm -hmm. And these would probably be the honeybees that you uh, like see outside. Drones? Drones? Some, sometimes, but they really don't do much. They, they hang around the hive. They, are they mooch on resources pretty much <laughs> uh they they really don't do much okay. that you have the queen mm-hmm. which i'm sure you are familiar with uh she's the reproductive female mm-hmm. so she does all of the egg laying and all the mating then you have workers which is the largest cast they're all female okay. and perform most of the labor in the hive they collect nectar and pollen okay so these would be the bees that you see yes outside. that's correct okay, okay. You will see drones sometimes, but, but they're not just not. Frequently. No, they're okay. they're not doing large scale uh, nectar and pollen collection. Okay. They they really don't do much. They leave to mate and die basically. Yeah. And then within workers, there's a subset called nurse bees, mm-hmm. which are worker bees that are within the first ten days of emergence. Okay. So they've just. They're within 10 days of the pupa stage. Okay. And during the first 10 days, they are responsible for feeding and caring for the brood. Okay. So they take care of all the baby bees in the colony. Mm -hmm. And that's what the brood is. The honeybee has a complete metamorphosis life cycle. Mm -hmm. So you'll start with an egg and then larva and then you'll have a pupal stage and then adults so we'll eventually do an episode about social insects and how these roles are defined but all you really need to know for today are those basics the reason why i needed to give you uh that context is because nurse bees transmit the bacteria Mm -hmm. to the larva when p larvae 
spores on the nurse's mouth parts come into contact with the brood during feedings. Okay, and that's a that's a big problem because you've right. basically spread it like um babies are normally like the most vulnerable mm-hmm. in like humans, so I would also assume that like the brood um in bees are like going to be the most vulnerable to this disease. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And the younger the larva, mm-hmm. the more susceptible it is. Yeah, and that's the whole next generation of the hive. Mm-hmm being coming into contact with this disease so that's that's a big problem Mm -hmm. and the way that the nurses feed the brood Mm -hmm. they basically spit up into their mouths so that can be a major source of disease transmission yeah any kind of like mouth-to-mouth contact yep Mm -hmm. what happens from there is that the larva ingest the spores which then travel to the gut and germinate Then they start rapidly multiplying after the larvae have been capped Mm -hmm. in the hive. So before they go into the pupa stage, the little cells that they're kept in, they get capped. Yeah, they get like sealed over. Mm -hmm. Um, They get sealed up. And then they pupate and then when they're done and they'll emerge as adult bees. Yeah, basically. Exactly. From there, the bacteria releases enzymes that digest the larval intestine from the inside out. Oh. And that eventually kills them. Yeah. That and, like, that just sounds painful. Like, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, we wouldn't know, but, like. Right. We can't exactly ask them. Doesn't sound. But... <laughs> yeah, we can't ask them. Mm-mm. But it doesn't sound pleasant. Mm-mm. Okay. So it typically kills brood just before the pupil stage mm-hmm. or shortly after it started. Okay. That's where the name of the disease comes from, American Fowl Brood. Yeah. Because when the brood are killed, it causes a foul, sulfur-like smell. Oh, so you could probably, like, like if you were a beekeeper, you could, like, smell it yes. on the hive. That's one of the okay. telltale signs. Yeah. The other sign is that the uh, the cap is going to start to turn brown. Uh, so you'll, like, you'll pick up these file cabinets and look at all your baby bees. Yeah, the frames are going to yeah. uh, have some capped larvae that are... Uh, turning brown and the the larvae themselves will start to turn brown as they're decomposing then once the pupa dies the p larvae produces billions of spores that are quickly spread when adult workers try to remove the dead pupa yeah and then the cycle continues. continues so it quickly spreads throughout the hive and weakens it making the surviving colony susceptible to robber bees predators and other infections yeah so yeah. And then as you said, like once the like beekeeper or whoever like if these are not domesticated bees, but like kept, managed bees. Managed bees. Mm-hmm. They and like once they see this, they have to get rid of yes. all the bees. Depending on not depending on whether the infection is bad or not. Like once they see infection. If it's not bad yet, it will be soon. Okay. Uh, and when you have a lot of hives in close proximity, if one colony is infected with American fowl brood. Other nearby colonies are pretty soon going to be infected as well because they share a lot of food resources and the beekeepers are likely using the same tools when they're going from hive to hive. Yeah, it's just like an inevitability at that point. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. Yeah, it can quickly destroy a beekeeper's entire crop if it's not dealt with very quickly, which is a really big deal for independent farmers where Mm -hmm. they might only have a couple dozen hives 
rather than hundreds and hundreds. And hundreds. And yeah. yeah, that's their whole livelihood. And it would be, it could be destroyed probably yes. within like a very short time period. Oh, definitely. Okay. This is a major, major problem. A lot of managed honeybees have died recently. In the winter of 2019, U.S. beekeepers reportedly lost nearly 40% of their honeybee colonies. Not necessarily only due to American Foulbrood, but that is a contributing factor. Okay, I actually have a question. Yes. Um, you know all those, like, like memes and, like, stuff on the internet a few years ago about, like, oh, all the bees are dying? Is this right. one of the reasons why? Like, one of the bigger reasons why? Yeah, okay. so a lot of times when we talk about save the bees, Mm -hmm. and bees being threatened. We're talking about native bees. Okay. So that'll be the bumblebees, sweat bees, solitary bees. Mm -hmm. Um, And those provide the bulk of the natural pollination. Okay. There's a lot of factors that are contributing to bee decline worldwide. Okay. A large one is habitat loss. Yeah, yeah, understandably. Which doesn't yeah. really apply to managed honeybees because okay. they've got their frames that they can go home to. Yeah. But higher temperatures from climate change mm-hmm. is a contributing factor. Because there's so much interconnectedness yeah. and hives get moved around, diseases are able to spread very quickly in managed populations. Mm-hmm. And when the managed honeybees are sharing food sources with native bees, they can spread American fowl brood into native populations as well. That was going to be my next question. Yep. Was, is this disease, like, transmissible between managed bees and, like, native bees? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a big problem. Yeah. There's a lot of parasitism that also causes bee decline pesticide use, Mm -hmm. uh, pollution. There's a lot of different factors, but one major one is the rise of disease in managed populations spreading to native populations. It's a really big deal. It spreads when it spreads to the non-managed honeybees and native bees whose populations are already threatened. That's really bad. It just Uh, gives them even worse odds uh for surviving. Exactly. So it's really important for us to try to prevent the disease. Yeah. So now we're back to where we started with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. American fowl brood is a very big problem. And until now, beekeepers have relied on using antibiotics, which are prone to resistance and associated with other health risks, Mm -hmm. and euthanasia. So there's no antibiotics that uh, can cure the hive after there's already an infection. It can just maybe help. So... Beekeepers were using them prophylactically, Mm -hmm. which means that they were doing it before there was an infestation of the disease, which leads to resistance. And so the FDA banned the prophylactic use of antibiotics in 2017. Yeah, because if you expose that, like, if you already have antibiotics in your system Mm -hmm. and then you get exposed to a disease... um, It's going to select for the resistant bacteria. It's going to mutate, and then that um, antibiotic doesn't work in you, and also you can spread that disease to other people, and that antibiotic is useless now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so your only option is you have to literally burn the hive and any contaminated equipment and bury them, which which is very, very expensive to replace that. Yeah. So... In response to these issues, 
We finally have a vaccine for American Fowl Brood, which is produced by the biotech company Dalen Animal Health. Mm-hmm. And this was recently approved by the government. Not It's not produced by the government. Okay. So like uh, the people who are concerned about the government trying to kill bees, they're not the ones who are making the vaccine. It's from an independent company. Mm-hmm. Okay. This company is based in Georgia, and mm-hmm. they are currently very focused on managed honeybee health. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're working with Diamond Animal Health as the manufacturer mm-hmm. who holds the conditional license. So the approval that was really big news a couple weeks ago is a conditional license, which means that the USDA has approved the use of this vaccine okay. for emergencies. Okay, okay. Which so is... there's still ongoing trials. Yeah. Um, and you can't just order it online. You, ha- okay. I went to the website and I kind of went through the motions as if I were a beekeeper trying to get this order vaccine. This, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to directly contact the company mm-hmm. and you have to give them... You have to fill out this form and explain why you need it to okay. get conditional approval to use the vaccine. But say you have, like, you're, like, a really big beekeeper. You have hundreds of colonies, and you know that, like, one of them is infected. Could you order it and then administer it to all the other bees that haven't been infected yet? Like, could that be a situation where that happens? Yeah, that would that would be an emergency situation okay. where you would probably be approved to get the vaccine okay so you would still have to destroy that hive but then you would say like say you had 100 you could save the other 99 yes which is better ratio than what you were Mm -hmm. working with before this vaccine yes Okay. all right so the research was led by a dr freetech Mm -hmm. uh, who's an associate professor in honeybee research at the carl franzen's university of graz in austria Mm -hmm. uh he's the Chief Science Officer for Dalen. Mm-hmm. So, of course, there's a yeah. lot of other hardworking scientists who have also contributed to this project. Yeah. But this is somebody who works for a university, mm-hmm. not directly for the government. Again. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how the vaccine works now. Okay. So the vaccine contains killed bacteria, mm-hmm. so killed P. larvae, uh, and it's added to the royal jelly that is produced in the hive by worker bees and fed to the brood and the queen. Okay, so, like, basically oral antibiotic that's given to the baby bees, right? Uh, it's, I don't know that it counts as an antibiotic. Okay, sorry, not antibiotic, but oral vaccine. Yes. Okay, there Mm -hmm. we go. And it's, it's put in the royal jelly. Okay. So, this provides immunity to the queen directly. Okay. And it's it uh, distributes into her ovaries, so any brood that she lays afterwards, any of the eggs that she we'll lays afterwards, yes, will have the immunization as well. Okay, that's really cool. Yes. Yeah. It also provides immunity directly to the brood who were fed the yeah. royal jelly containing the vaccine. So you could save all of the brood and the queen who could then make more brood even if, like, mm-hmm. the worker bees were infected. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. From there, it works like any other vaccine. Exposure to a small dose of a killed form of the bacteria gives the immune system a practice run where it becomes familiar with the pathogen and can later protect itself from a live form of the same or similar pathogens. Yeah. So that's what all the fuss is about with the new honeybee vaccine. It's 
very promising. Trials are ongoing, and this is a conditional approval. So it's not going to wipe out American foul brood immediately. But it can hopefully really help some uh, beekeepers and help the The native native bees bees. as well. Mm -hmm. This is really exciting, Mm -hmm. very promising, and I hope that everything will pan out and it'll get the full approval soon. Yeah, I think if it, like, um, continues, like, keeps going through the trials and Mm -hmm. continues to show itself to be effective, Mm -hmm. um, like, you could get full approval and then be able to, like, preemptively administer this to bees. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. I'm just gonna circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, with the misinformation that we were seeing in the TikToks that (laughs) I looked at. First off, the concerns that the government doesn't care enough about bees to take on this expense unless it was for nefarious purposes. You've made that clear. Yes. So, honeybees have a really important economic interest. Uh, They are a really big industry, and even if the government doesn't necessarily care about the lives of the bees, they definitely care about the money they bring in. Yeah, and you even said, like, this isn't, this didn't start as, like, a government project. Correct. It's an outside biotech firm. Correct. That developed this. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the concerns about them sneaking it into your food, it's not going to happen. No, it has to be, like, it's given into the royal jelly, which is, like, not... Not something humans eat. No, and like, and oral vaccines have been around for a long time. Yeah. And I, to the best of my knowledge, there's never been any vast conspiracy to sneak it into your food. Mm. You'll be fine. I was going to say, that's just, that sounds a little silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So being concerned about the bees not wanting it, I, I promise you, yeah. uh, if they could talk... Given the choice between having American foul brood and then having to be burned alive yeah, I think and I'd... not having American foul brood, I feel like it's in the best interest of the bees to have the vaccine. I can ju- only just imagine, like, a tiny little bee being like, please, please give us the vaccine. Yes, <laughs> uh, but we have to give them a teeny tiny consent form first. With a teeny tiny pen. <laughs> oh, no, they can just sign it with their stingers. speaking of the teeny tiny consent forms Mm -hmm. no there are not teeny tiny needles that are being stuck into teeny tiny bees even though that would be cute i was gonna say that's kind of adorable yeah like it's an oral vaccine all in a little line and the doctor just little tiny tiny needle gives them their vaccine yeah the obgyn uh goes through and (laughs) and administers the vaccine to all of them And then the people who are concerned about this contributing to population decline in bees, Mm -hmm. it's actually going to help prevent that. Yeah, like we said, this can be like a huge door opener for Mm -hmm. like saving bees from these diseases. And even um, like if a colony is infected, you could potentially save the rest of like a beekeeper's um, bees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all I've got for you today. Do you have any questions for me, Faith, about what we've talked about today? No, I want to see where I want to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm really like, excited to continue following this story. This is a big this is a big deal. I've never mm-hmm. heard of um, 
a vaccine being given to bugs. Yeah, like, it's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I'm going to continue following this story, and I hope I was able to kind of shed some light on the details of what's really going on here. Um, and if you were nervous about the honeybee vaccine, I hope you feel a little bit better about it now. Um, again, if you want to fact check me, I have the resources that I used linked on our website. And that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. This has been Totally Buggin'. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Our episodes and sources can always be found at our website, totallybugginpod.weebly.com. And we can also be found on Instagram at totally.buggin.pod and on Twitter at bugginpod. Thanks for listening.